With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, Scoop Nation. You're listening to The Morning Scoop. It is uh, January 4th, 2023, uh, and the first of many iterations probably to come in this offseason of just the absolute pain and heartbreak from uh, from myself and, and I know TJ as well uh, over the Georgia loss from this past weekend in the college football playoff. Wasn't... Uh, I can and you know we we talked a little bit ahead of this TJ but um man I don't know how I feel whether it's just like pure heartbreak because it was so close or if I'm just you know glad that they showed that they can compete with the Georgias of of the world in this day and age of college football Yeah I mean that's really the tough thing you know we knew that they would be able to compete going in there we know that Ohio State has elite level talent um, yeah, Georgia's the number one team in the country. They're the reigning national champion. So they have that going for them, but I don't think anybody expected Ohio state <clears throat> to go in there and, you know, get pushed around, get bullied, get beat badly. Um, it was just a matter of, uh, of, of how we would kind of line up against some of their premier talent. You know, we mm-hmm. talked weeks leading up about, you know, maybe having the best defensive tackle in the country, the great linebacker that they got, what Stetson brings to the table. You know, uh, as far as I saw it, you know, one or two plays could have decided the outcome of that game. We were right there with them. Um, unfortunately, when you have close games like that, man, it'll haunt you. It'll haunt mm-hmm. you for a while. It'll haunt you the entire off season. You're going to constantly think back <clears throat> to those key plays that if they would have went your direction, way if you could have found a way to just get it done you're playing for a national championship yeah yeah no absolutely and and the i think and as we'll get into with like some of those plays that you mentioned like they did go our way they did go ohio state's way on the field but then they get reversed or they get changed or you know and i you know i think there's some elements that i agree with like the refs, like with the targeting, I don't actually think that that was a, a targeting necessarily, but I do think it was a personal foul. So like just the taking away of the entire penalty altogether doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, and it's tough to say like, 
one of those goes our way, <clears throat> you know, the rest of the game happens exactly the same way, or, you know, the, the narrative is, stays the same in, in terms of like what Ohio state was doing, what Georgia was doing, you know, who knows what Kirby smart changes if, if Marvin Harrison's still on the field. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's, encouraging like i said to see <clears throat> i think just the uh the ryan day kind of answering some of the questions around him cj stroud answering the questions around him there's still a lot to work on obviously this off season but i, I think it was still at least promising to see the the changes from what we saw in the michigan game at the very least yeah and really when you look at the marvin harrison no call or reversal you know the the whole and and I dropped it on uh, on one of our threads on the message board on BuckeyeScoop.com. If you haven't had a chance, go over there and check it out. But just some of the inconsistencies that we get with with targeting calls, with a lot of different calls. I mean, it, it, I even mentioned on there about in regards to offensive linemen. You know, we get we get a holding call a lot of times when they say you do a hip torque. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's just different things that if you're going to call it, be consistent with it, <clears throat> and if you're going to create new penalties to protect players to protect their safety then you've got to enforce that every time because what i saw was a guy that went to hit marvin harrison with malicious intent right he was there was nothing marvin could do he was uh he was defenseless to it as he went up for the ball uh and that guy did what uh what you know a guy like jack Mm -hmm. tatum would have done back in the day, you know, and that's the type of stuff that they've said they are trying to eliminate. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm from the age of, of football where I like the fact that you can hit people. I like the fact that you can hit a quarterback. Um, I like the fact that, you know, you can impose your will upon somebody and not have every little ticky tack thing called. But me, that seemed like, you know, and again, we talked about it before we jumped on here that there's got to be some type of foul targeting. It's got to be, it's got to be a personal foul. I mean, there was yeah. intent, there was vicious, violent, malicious intent. Oop. I think I lost you there for a second. There we are. <laughs> okay we can edit that out but uh yeah malicious intent either way um i think i think you're right like i saw that more as like a a hit on a defenseless player as opposed to a targeting necessarily but that's part of targeting too so you know i don't know you know by the letter of the law if it's kind of what we typically expect from a targeting the way that the hidden like say the michigan game was i think that was targeting uh, I think the hit in the Tulane game was targeting. But, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but I still think, like you said, that's that's a hit against a defenseless player. That's a, that's a play that they're trying to get out of the game altogether. I mean, especially, I mean, obviously in, in hindsight, but with like the DeMar Hamlin stuff and like even not being a malicious hit or anything that's uh, egregious, there's a lot of risk at play just playing football in general. And if you're going to allow hits like that, when a guy is just, you know, making a play for the ball and trying to 
I, I mean, can't really protect himself from somebody just coming full force, launching into him with a shoulder and eventually knocking him out of the game. I mean, credit to, to Ryan Day and staff for keeping him out. I mean, you know, it's a it's a huge game. Could we have used Marvin the rest of that game? Absolutely. But, you know, who knows what you do or what happens again if you put him back in the game just to, you know, even be a decoy at that point. Yeah, I mean, you could tell uh, yeah. that that hit took its its toll. It took its effect. Um, uh, mission mission accomplished. If you're yeah. the defensive back who who went and laid <laughs> the shot, um, I, I didn't see who it was that hit him. I can't remember if it was a linebacker or a defensive back. But again, they they achieved what they set out to do, which was take Marvin Harrison out the game. And uh, up to that point. Marvin Harrison showed exactly what he showed all year long, that he's the best wide receiver in the country, hands down. Um, again, shame, uh, shame, shame that he was not uh, yeah. the, the Blitnikoff Award winner. Um, but that's uh, that's that's another one that you kind of look back to again. And, and you mentioned DeMar Hamlin. You know, some of the some of the preparation things that we do nowadays, again, to protect to 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 um highlight safety player safety you know consecutive two days you don't have a ton of different um drills that you do so are guys really acclimated when they take that type of shot mm-hmm. you know was was demar hamlin was he acclimated for that type of shot just a young guy when 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 Higgins kind of turned up and 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 put his shoulder and helmet right into his chest area, right going up towards the neck, I mean, I don't, I just don't think guys are accustomed to taking those type of shots anymore. You can you can you can say whatever it is, but man, you know, back in the day, you you almost felt like when a guy would take a really serious hard shot like that, you would see him get up more than you do because maybe his body was a little bit more acclimated to it, but. Tell you what, man, Marvin Harrison is a tough kid. Um, glad we got him on our side. He is the best wide receiver in the country. And, um, you know, I know that uh, w- whatever shakes out here in the offseason going into spring ball, whoever gets uh, under center or in shotgun, um, I would think that it would be Kyle McCord first. You know, they're going to have uh, they're gonna have some serious weapons to work with. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a luxury to still have another year of Marvin Harrison. Um, assuming, you know, nothing like Jackson Smith and Jigba <laughs> happens at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Game one, you know, have first, second series, whatever whatever that happened in, in the Notre Dame game. But Or, or if, wait that he doesn't transfer to USC. Right? Or, yeah, or he doesn't transfer to go play with. But now, I don't know, Caleb Williams might be transferring to Ohio State. You know, I mean, all the, all the conversations of, I don't know, just absurd, you know, fan theories going on in the offseason. But, you know. Those will swirl, I'm sure, for a week or so and then fizzle out and we'll be like, hey, we still got Marvin Harrison on our team. So, uh, But the other one, too, in, in another hit that obviously we lost Cade Stover on, um, which I didn't really think, you know, I don't, looking at the actual play in real time, I didn't think anything of it, but, you know, he, he leaps over defender, is somersaulting, right, in midair, and a Georgia linebacker coming across the field as he is upside down virtually uh, just goes directly into his knee like in midair. And I looked at it and I was like, I mean, that's not, 
it's unnecessary. You know, he's going down, you know, he's not, he's not going to get extra yardage or anything like that. You know, if you, if you don't hit him, uh, it was just a, a weird play to me. And I think it happens probably more often than we realize in, in a game like that. But, uh, that was another one where I looked at and, and we lose Cade Stover on that exact hit, whether or not it was because of the fall or the actual hit, who knows, but you know, it's an unnecessary hit either way. Yeah, those are those are tough to see, you know, and and guys uh guys don't really wear the same type of padding that they used to anymore either. I mean, guys are going with <clears throat> just the like, inserts and mm-hmm. um you know, uh it, it doesn't it, it they used to look funny then we'd have those big bulky pads sticking out of our pants, but yeah. you know, when you take a shot like that when you go down to the ground, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's there for a reason, but you know, I, I will mention just that you know the the close losses the one point losses they just they're they're so hard to shake and i always look back to you know comparing it to my career where you know we had and and it it was terrible to have to watch this uh they had it on the nfl network the football life (laughs) about the 2005 rose bowl between usc and texas Mm -hmm. where they say it's maybe the greatest game ever played in college football that texas team beat in horseshoe you know, and, and to think back and, and know that that could have been us sitting in a driver's seat because at the end of the season, we were the number three team in the country after beating Notre Dame. Um, you just, you constantly will look back at, at two, three, maybe four plays that if they go differently, you know, <clears throat> it, it goes in your favor and you most likely win. But then you look at a, you look at like a championship game in 2006 when, when we lost to Florida, you know, everything went wrong. So it's almost like you'd rather get blown out because everything just went to shit. But you know, when, when you have those close ones, again, they'll just, they'll stick with you. They'll bother you. And you'll think about it even when you're older, you know, you're just kind of, I mean, you can remember those certain people to this day and think, wow, you know, just that, you know, every, every yard is golden, Mm -hmm. um, holding your block just a little bit longer, the field goal, you know, a dropped pass, um, I know that the, I know the feeling that these players are going through right now and it sucks, but you've got to find a way to use it as, as motivation. Yeah. You, you've got to use it to drive you through the off season and, uh, understand that if you handle your business again, the way you did this year, hopefully beating Michigan next year up in Ann Arbor, yeah. you'll be right back in the same position again and don't let it happen again. Yep. Yep. And, uh, it's painful. For the players, it's painful for the fans. I know we've we've talked about it, obviously, in this first kind of segment here. But uh, in order to uh, to I guess alleviate some of that pain, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and make this transition because it's just perfect for this. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to BuckeyeScoop.com. Join in on uh, all the conversations community and, uh, and ease some of your pain this off season by talking with some of the fans, uh, having that conversation and looking forward to that 2023 season. Of course, as always, if you like this video, be sure to like the actual video on YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you can stay up to date with all the most recent content coming out of Buckeye Scoop and all of us here. I know Kirk, uh, CEO, uh, Buckeye Scoop CEO, Kirk Barton and, uh, and the team do a lot of, uh, live streams these days. So, uh, keep on the lookout for all of those as well. Um, so subscribe today and join BuckeyeScoop.com so that you can, like I said, alleviate some of the, uh, 
pain from this Georgia loss. But uh, we talked a little bit about it with key plays and and just kind of one one of the things that I wanted to also just touch on was uh, you mentioned it like the close loss versus getting blown out. And like I look back to 2015, the Michigan State game, and like just the little things that go differently for one of what I would argue is one of the best Ohio State rosters, you know, in recent memory. 2019, losing to Clemson in a close way and losing the way that we lost that game. Um, do I think we would have beaten LSU that year? Maybe not, but I think we would have stood a better chance than Clemson did in the championship game. Um, but I put the, I put this out on my Twitter on uh, Saturday night, I think, Saturday or Sunday, after the game, and just said, it seems like Ohio State's always right there. We're one of the few programs that you know, consistently, especially over the last 20, 30 years, has been in the conversation of national championship, you know, and consistently is right there. But we don't seem to get over the hump. And we continue to watch teams like Alabama um, have their dynasty run, like Georgia now have their dynasty run. And we keep seeing these, like, uh, you know, uh, just ridiculous teams that are put together that seem to take that leap over us but we're still right there and i just i don't know what needs to happen in order to make that because i I feel like we should be on the verge of a dynasty every single year and it just never materializes yeah you're right and and again we look back at Clemson. i mean that was another one of the things that i talked about on that thread on buckeyescoop.com yesterday you know the some of those calls in that game you know they just they, they they still bother me you know, where mm-hmm. uh, where you've got the the big uh, 6'5 quarterback who is cowering down to take the shot, and all of a sudden it becomes a targeting. Well, it's almost like he worked himself right into it. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you think back, uh, looks like the, looked like the guy who caught the ball to me, turned up field <laughs> and made a, couple, made a step or two, man. I think that probably should have been our ball, <laughs> but, you know, they ruled it complete. So, you're right. It's a really, it's a really tough thing to wrap your mind around because coming off of urban, what Ryan day kind of, you know, I understand what Harbaugh said about, you know, uh, thinking you hit a triple and you're already on third base, whatnot, all this, all that crap. But, you know, Ryan day inherited um, the keys to a program that was flying as high as anybody in the country. We're talking about a top five program, top five football team every year coming out of the starting blocks. Mm-hmm. But what does it take to get over the hump? Well, it, it all ultimately boils down to victory. How do you find a way to win these close big games? And now you see a little bit of, of, of uh, we've, we've gone backwards and stuff you know we've lost two in a row now so it's almost like wow we've been in these college football playoff games but we're also losing to our rivals <clears throat> so there's there's some things that the coaching staff has to figure out mm. i think in, in in any great organization any great business any great team it, it starts with your leadership it starts with the people at the top it starts with the management and that that falls your head coach your associate head coaches your oc your dc finding a way to get it done. Yep. You know, coach Knowles in the defense couldn't find a way to get a stop against Georgia in the fourth quarter. All we needed was what all we needed was a stop. Um, 
I, I, I don't know how you actually get this done, you know, to be able to form that dynasty other than just saying, find a way to win the close <laughs> games. Right. And again, that is, that is players that have a supreme focus, guys that are laser sharp, dialed in, guys that don't care as much about the money <clears throat> and opting out and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the media attention and, and looking sweet and, you know, uh, whatever it may comes with the college football landscape nowadays, you need some dogs that have heart, that refuse to be beat, and and just have a superior will over their opponent. And at times, we haven't had that. We need to get back yeah. to it. I think in, I mean, just watching this game, I think we saw a lot of that for a lot of the game, right? We saw it the team looked like they were playing more free, you know, like they were playing a little bit looser and they, they had that kind of will to it, but also you still see those stretches during a game where like, I think Ryan day called a fantastic game. I think he, he did, um, did everything that he could to, to get there. But then I go back and I look and see, Okay, the leading rusher in the game was Dalton Hayden, right? Who had nine carries. So you're there was one running back that had nine carries. And then you had Mayan Williams had three. You had Emeka Buka had two, and you had Xavier Johnson had six, I think, or something. And CJ had twelve. You know, some of those obviously being scrambles, um, you know, exiting the pocket, what have you. But like there was almost virtually zero run game. And you were then find stretches during the game where Ohio State can take over if we just put together a drive. And you have, uh, I think it was in the first half, you had two series back-to-back for Ohio State that netted negative two yards on six plays. And two punts, Georgia scores two touchdowns between those, I think it was, or a touchdown and a field goal. And now all of a sudden, it's 24-21 Georgia instead of, you know, 28 to 14 or whatever it would have been. And it's like, those are the moments where I still see just, we lack in like, you look at all the key plays of, uh, what was it? Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, uh, getting stuck in coverage and like just getting absolutely beat and shades of tough Borland, uh, against, uh, against Smith in the, the national championship game against Alabama. But not as bad. He he at least stuck with him <laughs> a little bit. Um, the Mitch Rossi fourth down uh, penalty, the fake field goal timeout. You know, you look at all those key plays, and it's like, yeah, a lot of those. In my opinion, if one goes our way, <clears throat> is it a different game? Probably. But then I also look at all of those stretches during the game that we had everything within our grasp to just take over. And Georgia made the the bigger plays. They just they were able to get a sack, a twelve yard sack on CJ Stroud to force third and seventeen, I think it was. And like if it's third and five, that's a totally different, totally different play call. And I don't know. There's there's just a lot of those moments, like you said, where you still see you know the the dogs, for lack of a better term, being that we played Georgia, but. Uh, come out and just do what they need to do. And you see Ohio State players, Lathan Ransom, 
falling down on a play, you know, oh. getting beat in coverage or <clears throat> whatever it is, just not getting to, to Stetson Bennett in time. Um, and I don't know, there's, there's just a lot that I think little things throughout the game that if Ohio State does differently or just has that little bit of an edge, then we take that step. Um, I don't know if that's a Ryan Day. I think Jim Knowles is the the right guy, at least for now. Give him at least another year to to turn around the defense. But, you know, if we still see a lot of the same issues next year, I don't know what you do defensively because that's obviously been the biggest, you know, criticism during Ryan Day's tenure is there's there, this is not the same defense that we had up until 2019. Yeah, I think I've really been happy. Most of us have all been pretty happy with what we've seen from Jim Knowles. We know that he's a high caliber DC. Um, he's got some creative ideas. The players seem to really uh, rally around him and listen, and 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 it's effective. And and his leadership is working there. You know, getting getting one stop against Georgia, the reigning national champion, the number one team in the country, is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Although I mentioned, hey, in the fourth quarter. It's what you got to do if you if you yep. want to take that next step that you talked about. A, a, a dynasty type program, um, when you when you to um, some of the issues we had that you talked about with uh, with Kerry Coombs and um, uh, you know a, a tough Borland trying to cover down on one of the best receivers in the country. <laughs> it's just. There's there's some issues there, man, and you have to uh, you've got to figure out um, a in your recruiting cycle what players fit your mold or what players fit your system. So for Jim Knowles being his first year, I think we definitely have to um, we definitely have to give him that solid three, um, maybe five years. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's 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 guys that are going to come in that are going to be more of what he wants. I'm interested. A guy that we talked about on on the show a couple weeks back had a chance to see him and call his game. Arvell Reese oh, yeah. from up there at Cleveland Glenville. That you know, Jim Knowles was in the house to watch him personally. This is his type of guy. So let's get his type of dudes in the building in his room, and let's see how it all shakes out from there. Because I, I truly believe that we have the right guy. Um, as much as I've criticized the offensive line this year, um, you know, Coach Fry, I don't, I don't know. You know, there's uh, there's just things that you uh, that, that when you come into a new program, when you're the new mm-hmm. guy, learning curve, and, and I think all of those coaches may have felt that this year, and maybe getting over that learning curve is what's gonna was is what we need yep. to be able to cover that that hurdle. Yeah, and you you touched on it just then with uh, with Fry, but you know, I guess kind of looking at all right, where where do we go from here? Like, what is what what happens in this off season? Right, I think obviously the one that came out, the biggest one that came out was Ryan Day, you know, uh, mulling at least the idea of giving up play calling duties to either a Justin Fry or a Brian Hartline. Um, you know, I. If Fry obviously has more experience in that arena, um, I think Ohio State fans are more kind of in line with also doing whatever we can to keep Brian Hartline on staff. I don't know that we need to do all that much, to be honest. It just, uh, I think it it's more uh, keeping the offers off the table from other programs that are you know a little bit more enticing. But as long as 
you know, something doesn't open up that is, like I said, more enticing for Brian Hartline. He wants to be at Ohio State, so he's going to stay at Ohio State. I don't know that you need to, like, give him the world necessarily to just keep him from uh, exploring any and all options, right? So I like Fry. I think he's done a great job with the offensive line. I mean, at least keeping it, you know, on par with with what uh, what it was last year. I'll be curious to see what he does, you know, after uh, I think and you know, nothing has been set in stone yet, but I assume we all assume that we're losing, uh, you know, Paris Johnson, that we're going to lose Dewan Jones, we could lose Luke Whipler. So what happens across that offensive line next year will be one thing I think that's is super important to watch, just knowing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What the depth looks like in that room. Um, I'm curious to see secondary. We just got Jihad, uh, Jihad Carter, I think it is, from Syracuse, the the stud safety. So see how he fits into Knowles. But I agree, like, you know, Knowles has the history, looking back at Oklahoma State, looking back at Duke, of turning those defensive units around in a few years to be top five, top 15 defenses. And there's no reason he's not going to be able to do that at Ohio State. But, you know, you, you, he does have to get the guys that fit his scheme, the guys that are going to you know be able to play the way that he needs them to play. And now having a full offseason to kind of build some of those same guys up, like a Tommy Eichenberg, potentially, if he comes back, which I don't know that he will, but that would be a huge keep if he does. But I think Steel Chambers has already said he's coming back. Lathan Ransom could come back. So those guys that have made some strides this past year, just in one year under his system, I'll be curious to see how how big of an impact they're able to make next year. Um, and you know, hopefully you get a you get the Denzel Burke from a year ago, as opposed to this year. Um, you know, hopefully we get a healthier cornerback room, or we can get somebody in the transfer portal. But there's a lot of question marks around it. I'm I'm just. I don't know. I guess I think there's a, a ton of talent on this team and, and I have very uh, high hopes for what 2023 has, but there's more questions. I think the more that I actually like look at this team and see what's coming back and what happened in this game. And, and do we have what it takes to, you know, get back into that, that playoff conversation and, you know, potentially win a championship, you know, hopefully, Alabama's down again, I would say. I, I think one of the things we've lost in the recruiting process at times is being so hung up on five stars, mm-hmm. four stars, you know, where you rank in the top 100 or the ESPN top 300. You know, I, I talked about this on one of those live shows with with our guy, uh, Kirk Barton, the Scoop CEO. Um you know, he was a he was a two star coming out of coming out of Perry High School, and he ended up being a captain at All American. He has a tree in Buckeye Grove. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we need to, and, and and this is also again easier said than done, and this really puts a lot of pressure 
on each individual coach when they go out into their recruiting territories, but recruiting attitude more than the actual stars, you know, most guys that end up playing in power five schools, you think you should have been dominating your competition in high school. So how do we really know how you're going to transition or pan out at the collegiate level when you're going against premier talent every week? So to, to, to really kind of get ecology that, that the mindset of these young kids that you're recruiting Mm-hmm. is is not an easy thing to do but you know after sitting with somebody for for a couple conversations going to their house being around their parents or or whoever it may be their guardians uh you're gonna you're gonna have a pretty good beat on these guys rather than just say hey hey look you can um i i really i truly believe now as you mentioned the uh the the, the uh, safety from syracuse and then we have the other two offensive linemen that are coming in. Uh, one of them being from, I believe, uh, Tulsa. This the, the, the portal is where you can really build that depth and have guys that are ready to go day one when they step on campus. Because you and I both know, Ryan, you know, from from as much Buckeye football as we've seen, there are not a whole lot of eighteen year olds that are ready to mm-hmm. go day one when they step on campus. I saw a handful of them, Maurice Claret. Ted Ginn Jr. It was a rarity to see somebody across the offensive line, but Rob Sims ended up starting the 2002 national championship game. You know, so that's just that's just a small handful. And I also saw a ton of guys who were parade all Americans, who were five stars, who were four stars that never saw the field their entire mm-hmm. time there. Yeah, I mean, we almost saw it with Julian Fleming. You know, with just injury ridden, and you know, I think he uh, played really great at times so i'll be i'll be curious to see if he comes back i think he would benefit from it but like like you said you know uh kind of finding the right the right character guys to to bring into the program like i would much rather have you know that than just go and you know pull like a texas a&m get every five star you can and then have 27 uh transfer portal you know (laughs) opt-outs basically the the very next year right like that's just i mean if we think ohio it's an ohio state problem like look at the number of just exits from other teams throughout college football like you know are we necessarily landing guys in the portal no but like honestly if they're in the portal sometimes it's because they're getting beat so like do you want that person on your team i want the guys that are you know trying to compete for national championship and go somewhere that they can from maybe a smaller school that, uh, that they weren't able to do that, but they were starters. Right. And they were elite. So uh, I agree. Like you don't know what you're going to get from a high school kid coming into college because yeah, they should, if they're, if they're getting recruited to the D one level, they should be, you know, at least good enough to, to play. But you might have those guys that have that dog in them. Like I, I personally think, uh, Devin Brown will be the starter next year just because I think he has a little bit more of an edge to him than Kyle McCord has. I think Kyle McCord is great, and I think he sh- he should and probably will get the first crack at it. But, uh, you know, I think both can easily win this job, and I just think, I, I, I don't know, I think something about Devin Brown just tells me he can win this pretty 
pretty well. So I, I don't know. That's my prediction for 2023, I guess. Um, but you also look at guys like Brandon Ennis uh, and Carnell Tate. Granted, it's Brian Hartline, so you kind of expect he's just going to land whoever he wants anyways, right? Um, but, you know, all the NIL stuff that comes out about, you know, Brandon Ennis turned down all of this money to play for Brian Hartline because he saw what Brian Hartline has done in the the years that he's been at Ohio State and turning guys into NFL caliber talent. And he wants that. And Carnell Tate wants that. And all these guys are playing for Ohio State that that want that. And I'd rather that than, you know, have guys coming in like a, like an Eli Rex that is going to transfer, you know, multiple different times and then, you know, take a shot at the NFL just because he was a five star, right? Like that's not the kids I want. And I think Ryan Day has done a tremendous job so far in his tenure of keeping those guys uh, on the roster. Uh, guys like Cameron Babb, guys like Julian Fleming, you know, like keeping them uh, in the room and keeping them on this team versus going out and trying to find like the newest flavor that that might come in and negatively impact that room. Coach Trestle thought he had his work cut out for him just putting that fence up around the state of Ohio. This 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 landscape now that coaches have to navigate. Mm. I mean, I, I I don't know how they do it. You have to have an extraordinary support staff. You know, your recruiting coordinator, your director of of player personnel and football operations. I mean, there's such a there there there's such a premium on those guys as well now. Where you know mm-hmm. in, in days past you could almost uh, plug and play. You know somebody. Hey, you're basically just uh, lining up uh, airfare and destination mm-hmm. and and where we're lodging at and and food and all that. I mean, it's so much. It's so much more complex nowadays. Um, and and I, and I think there really is a lot of stuff that those coaches have to weed through, as you mentioned is this guy in the portal because he just got beat out and now he's leaving because he's avoiding competition. Is that really what I want on my team? You know, or, or as uh, you look at what Deion Sanders is doing out mm-hmm. there in Colorado, he's like, screw it. I'm probably not going to bring in anybody from high school. I'm just going straight portal. He's just you going know, straight uh, to, to Jackson state and just pulling every, every player he wants from Jackson state. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to navigate. But uh, I know that uh, Coach Day, with his with his, with, I guess you could call it fullness. I mean, he's still very young. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's a creative quarterback type mind. I know from conversations that I've had with Coach Trestle how pa- how passionate Ryan Day is. I mean, daily phone calls that he would get from him and and and. Uh, <clears throat> just the questions and he's constantly looking for different pieces of advice. And he, he, he doesn't want a guy that, you know, gets beat because he left one stone unturned, you know? So the, the preparation is there. The game plan is there. The analysis is there, but now it just comes down to, can you execute on the field? Mm-hmm. And, and and we have lacked that um, obviously in the two Michigan games, the previous two years, and now here getting uh, exited from, you know, the, from, from this game. And, and think too, you know, we very easily could have got beat in that Rose Bowl game. Very yeah. easily could have got beat by Utah. You yeah, know, I was at a uh, wedding for that game and just like watching it on my phone 
as as much as I could and just like oh man, I was about to lose my mind every every <laughs> every time that we would score and they would just score again to go back up by two. I was like, oh my God, just like do not do this to me today. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it's tough, man. But it, I, I just continuously will say, there's so many great football players out there. Mm-hmm. There's so much great talent across the country that I think we, uh, with what TCU has done now, uh, we are starting to see the parity. That mm-hmm. you know, there's there there's there's great players out there that maybe they're late bloomers. Maybe they just needed a, an opportunity. Maybe they came from a small school, but they're a premier talent. Yep. You know, I, th- I think we're starting to find that out, you know, that uh, teams that you thought, oh, man, uh, we're going to walk all over this squad. You know, look at look at Tulane beating USC. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different uh, uh, key points you can look at as to say why this team is successful or that team is successful. It's always going to start with great coaching, but coaches finding a way to put their players and their talent in yep. the best possible positions to win is always what it's going to come down to. And then those players have to execute the game plan. We talk about it too with the NFL and like guys getting drafted into the right team and the right fit. And like our guys successful in the NFL because they went to the right fit, you know, or are they less successful because they, you know, got put into a position that wasn't good for them. Like Justin Fields obviously has, has had a, a, a great year this year, but, it's not an ideal situation for him. So does he continue to, you know, progress as an NFL quarterback in Chicago if it's not the right situation for him compared to, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a Justin Herbert, you know, that that's done really well with uh, with the Chargers, right? Like, I think we look at it for the NFL, but we don't even really consider that much in college but it is true. Like you said, you know, guys that are transferring, like, are you getting beat or is it maybe it just wasn't the right scheme? It wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right coach to get the most out of you. And then you go somewhere and you find that right fit and you find that right guy that can actually, you know, progress your career in the way that it needs to. I think that that's, that's something that gets missed a lot is it's like, you know, maybe it's just not the right guy for you, you know, like, you can't just have the right communication with that player to get them to perform the way that they need to. And it's not, you know, for anything of a lack of effort, a lack of ability for, for a coach or for a player. It's just, you got to kind of be put in the right position as well. And there's some luck that that has to go into that as well. Um, And I'll be curious to see too, you know, if Ryan day does give up play calling uh, I'll be curious to see kind of, how this team changes not structurally or anything like that but just with him being able to focus more just on kind of like the team management and and overarching kind of themes uh over over the entirety of the team as opposed to more so on the offense i'll be curious to kind of see um how it evolves from there and and how i guess what what this team is able to to kind of do in terms of taking that next step. And, and, and let's not forget too, how many times coaches are leaving, they're fired, yep. they're taking another job. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there and the next guy that comes in just, yeah, like you said, might not be your cup of tea. I mean, there's a lot of, 
uh, rumors swirling around that that Harbaugh might be leaving Michigan to take an NFL job. Um, you know, h- how many of those Michigan guys might might jump ship? How many of those guys, I believe he's pilfered a couple casts from Stanford. Mm-hmm. You know, like h- how many of those dudes are going to say, eh, I don't know if I want to go now. You know, I mean, it's uh, it, it changes so much. It's like, uh, you know, it's like it's like changing your underwear, man. I mean, <clears> like <throat> coaches are here one day, they're gone the next. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I always have a, a little bit of an issue with it because I know that there is the standard and, and the the expectation to win is always there. Sometimes you just got to give guys a little bit of time, you know, to give somebody mm-hmm. two or three years just isn't enough, depending on what you were coming from in the first place. You yeah. know, two, three years coming off the back of Urban Meyer's <clears throat> program is probably enough time to figure yeah. out where you're at. Coming off the back of uh, of somebody who had a program that was going, you know, going 500 every year, you got to get four, five, six years mm-hmm. to be able to implement some stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I think the the good thing is uh, for teams like Ohio State, for teams like Alabama, you know, the the programs that are always – in that conversation, right? Like you can, you can kind of get by pretty well for a couple of years while some of that gets worked out. So while like a Jim Knowles comes in and does what, what he can to turn around the defense, you know, it might not be pretty. We might not like watching that transition for two years, three years, but you know, Ryan day and the offense can at least they're going to win games. You know, it's not like, all of a sudden, because the the defense is struggling, that Ohio State's going to lose four, five games a year. You know, like that's just not going to happen. You know, the offense is good enough to win a lot of close games and and can, you know, especially in the Big Ten, continue to to be in that conversation as one of the best teams in the country. And then you have that time frame to allow Jim Knowles to work what he what he can get his guys in there. And then now all of a sudden. You know, three years from from implementation, you've got a more elite team that has that dynastic kind of capabilities potentially. In twenty twenty three, potentially could be that year. Um, schedule wise, at Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, at Notre Dame, that would be at Notre Dame kind of worries me a little bit just because it's going to be whoever starts at quarterback. It's going to be their first road game, first true road game. Um, cause Indiana, I don't count that. Um, <laughs> but first true road game for, uh, for them. And we'll see, you know, what, uh, what Notre Dame's able to do, um, in, uh, in Marcus Freeman's second year and see if they can turn a corner and, and kind of get back into what they were, uh, at Wisconsin always were, or yeah, at Wisconsin uh, later in the year always worries me just cause we never, I feel like we never play well in Camp Randall. So, uh, I don't know what to expect there, but I don't necessarily think Wisconsin's going to be ready under Fickle, Fickle's first year to compete. But I think give him a couple years, kind of like we just talked about with Knowles, and oh, yeah. Wisconsin will be right there. You know, Fick, Fick, Fickle have those boys ready, and yeah. you know, I think one of the one of the big galvanizing points for this Ohio State team in this off season is going to be when Coach Mick gets them together in February. You start doing your 5 a.m., 6 a.m. conditioning uh, uh, deals, you know, that team bonding, preparing yourself for spring ball. <clears throat> uh, there there needs to be a togetherness like there never has been before, you know, because there, there's there's a lot of talk and, and, and it's come from myself 
um, you know, about the attitude, the toughness, the heart of some of these guys, not just on the offensive line, but across the board, build that stuff. Mm-hmm. You build that stuff when you're, when you're doing board gas or Woody Hayes at, you know, five, six in the morning, when you're doing ROTC drills, when you're doing uh, uh mile runs and you're doing uh cut three hundreds and you know, all of all the things you do to build up your endurance, your conditioning, but really it's to bring you together as a team. This group needs to be together and they mm-hmm. need to reestablish an identity of being tough. And we made the, uh, the joke about dogs, you know, for the bulldogs, but they need to develop the attitude of a dog, yeah. you know, and that's what, that, that's, that's what I was like Mike Doss do for his group. That's what I saw guys like Troy Smith do for his group. Mm-hmm. And that's what I need to see some of these guys do for this group here. You need to establish the identity of we're going to walk into your house. We're going to walk into Notre Dame. And we're going to smack you in the mouth. <clears throat> you know, we're not, we're, we're not going to leave it. In, we're not going to leave it in the officials hands yeah. to make a call or not make a call because we're going to kick your ass from the start of the game to the finish. Yeah, sorry about my dogs in the background. Cue, too. Hey, cue the dogs, man. They must have heard me. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I think there's a lot to take away from this game that that is positive, that there is a lot of that in the room. I'll be curious to see kind of like who those vocal leaders are, because that is one thing that I don't, I don't think we really had this year, um, was the vocal person that is very outspoken in that way, right? And, and says those things. Um, and I'll be curious to see if we have that and who that is, you know, that that's taking that kind of role over and making this team, you know, just that little bit extra, that little bit more. I will say, I think Ohio State's back in the college football playoff next year. I don't see, I mean, outside of those that I mentioned and outside of at Michigan, obviously, <clears throat> I don't see a ton on the schedule that like worries me from a, you know, uh, loss standpoint or somebody that can kind of um, play spoiler in that way. I think I don't see Ryan Day losing three in a row to Michigan. So I think that that I'm not terribly worried. I'm going to call it right now. Ohio State's winning by double digits next year. That's what I meant in that video. Right, it was next year, not this year. So, uh, those are the 2023 <laughs> truths, right there. Exactly, exactly. So, Ohio State gets in uh, Big Ten championship. I don't really think it matters who plays there. I think uh, you know any three of Wisconsin, Minnesota. Honestly, I think Nebraska could make a push. Um, I think they've been really close in a lot of games. They just can't kind of get over that that little hump to win in the fourth quarter. They give up leads, etc. You know, I think. Matt Rule can can kind of turn that around. So I don't know what they're barking at right now, but they're losing. He's got, it. He's got the number one uh, quarterback recruit in the country that you just pulled away from well, us. Yeah. Theoretically, he go. hasn't he hasn't gone yet. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think you know whoever they play in the Big Ten championship game, I don't I don't know that it really makes a big difference because the West is terrible. Uh, and then my final four, in no particular order, for the college football playoff: Ohio State. Alabama, Oregon, Georgia. Thoughts? I like it. I, I, I like right where you're at. Um, I think, uh, boy, it's it's 
it's going to be interesting to me hey, how this national championship game shakes out on Monday and what this does for TCU's program. Um, I I want to see the, uh, the 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 small guy, you know, get another get another sniff at this thing, man. So I'm looking for that next group um, that's going to step up to the challenge like Cincinnati did last year. You know, when they lost to Bama, it was a stepping stone for for an underdog to get in there. Now TCU's got a chance after beating Michigan to play Georgia. Let the chips fall where they may. Let's see if we can't get another one of these guys in here to prove why we needed a college football playoff in the first place. Yeah, I don't know how you don't root for uh, for Max Duggan either. He's just like as as unlikable as Stetson Bennett is to me. Uh, Max Duggan is like the complete opposite. Um, and I just, you know, I'm not one of those people that oh, I want to have lost to the national champion. Like I don't care about that. I I want to see TCU just, you know, taken behind the woodshed. Right. They won't, but I, that's what I want to see. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I think next year it's there's a lot of there's a lot more parity at least it, it seems, especially this year. You know, in college football, so I'll be curious to see kind of like who separates. I think, like I said, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, I I, I don't see enough being lost in the off season to make me think that those teams aren't going to be right there again. Uh, I think Alabama obviously had a down year, but it's Alabama. As long as Nick Saban's there, I'm not going to count him out. So I think they'll be, uh, they'll be back and ready to go. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of who that, that kind of, not that Oregon's a little guy, right. But who the little guy is in next year, you know, and, and who can kind of make that push to see the final year of the four team, playoff before we get to the 12 team and before we start seeing a lot more of those little guys uh competing and, and we start to see a little bit more of that maybe a Tulane you know maybe who knows it'll be exciting that's why that's why we did this that's why it's um it, it's it's going to be exciting because it's more inclusive and you're going to get the opportunity to see you know, like you just mentioned Tulane I mean who who expected them to go out there and 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 get them that was those those things right there tcu beating beating michigan mm. uh, you can just you look back through history you know we talked about boise state beating oklahoma this is why you give these guys a chance you know because they deserve if if, if you if you won your conference you deserve to get a shot at it if you go on deserve to get a shot at it yeah i agree i'm i'm, I'm excited for uh for the expanded although it's it's going to be weird with seating and everything but uh yeah it's going to be good it's going to be good a lot, of, a lot of good games to come for sure. But that is going to do it for us here today on the Morning Scoop. I know it's a little bit longer edition. Spent a lot of time uh, going through our own therapy with painful moments <laughs> of of Saturday's game. But uh, it's a much-needed uh, cleanse, you know, and, and we get ready for the national championship game, just kind of see what, what shakes out there and start looking ahead to 2023. And, you know, with uh, with Ohio State, fandom and and everything on at buckeye scoop i'm sure you uh you won't be surprised uh by noticing that the conversation will start essentially right now about what happens in 2023 who wins the quarterback battle we're going to start getting some more content about uh about this coming year and, and what's to come but always exciting stuff at buckeye mm-hmm. scoop so like i said at the top of the show be sure to check out buckeyescoop.com join today uh, so that you have access to the Ask the Insiders board and you can have access to the community 
and all the conversations happening as we get ready for the off season and you know another national championship run we're gonna do it it's gonna happen i feel like i can be reintegrated back to society now <laughs> i know right <laughs> the good thing is uh i don't have to go to cancun with a michigan fan that uh, is playing in the national championship so uh that that was at least promising if there is one caveat to take away or one positive to take away from saturday it's that michigan also lost so uh always a good day when that happens but uh, TJ, appreciate you jumping on. Appreciate the uh, the conversation and everything as always. Looking forward to talking again soon. All right, Scoop Nation, I'm out, man.